Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Hi there, everybody, and here we are with another Freedom Rings podcast. I am so excited that you are joining us today to talk a little bit of freedom and the benefits of freedom and why we work every day to fight for and preserve freedom and a great guest today, Clay Travis. He is an author. He is an innovator, a creator. Um, He's a husband. He's a dad. Lots of different things going on there in his life, but most importantly, He is someone who celebrates freedom every day through the entrepreneurial spirit that he has put to work in his own life. And Clay, I am so thrilled that you are here. A Nashville guy goes to GW in D.C., comes back to Vanderbilt. That's right, for law school. Goes down to the U.S. Virgin Islands. That's right. Goes on a pudding strike. (laughs) Yeah, we, uh, first of all, your introduction is fantastic. I'm going to clip that and show it to my wife to tell her how lucky she is to be with me. Uh, but uh, uh, she, as I'm sure you can well imagine, does not always think that's the case. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, look, I am a Nashville kid, uh, born and raised, went, uh, went away to college in GW in D.C., came back here for law school at Vanderbilt. And then my wife and I had a little bit of an adventure. We went away, got married, and could choose to stay in Tennessee and practice or go to the U.S. Virgin Islands. And uh, it's beautiful down there. I'm a lot of times a short, flip-flops kind of guy. And so at 25 years old, we relocated down there for a while. Eventually came back because she went back to school, uh, got her master's degree. She was a school guidance counselor at Ravenwood High School out in uh, Williamson County. Uh, we grew up uh, and, and as a couple together, had three kids, have three kids now, and moved out to, uh, to Franklin to, uh, to live in Williamson County. So. I'm a Nashville area native. I hope to spend the rest of my life here. Absolutely love it. And uh, I've made my business home here. And, uh, and I'm excited to appreciate you having me. So let's uh, kind of do a little bit of a rewind and uh, talk about how a Nashville guy who goes to the USVIs and comes back here and practicing law, and then you get on this other tangent with sports and sports casting, and out of that comes OutKick. Yes, and uh, I always say that when I was right around 25 or 26 years old, I had what I call a quarter-life crisis, where I suddenly am looking around and and I think to myself, do I want to be practicing law for the rest of my life? And the answer was no. Uh, And so as a way to kind of balance out the job that I had, but also maintain some sense of sanity, I started to write about sports online uh, in 2004. I was 25, 26 years old. And what I always say is a lot of times when you're in law school and some probably some people out there who are either thinking about it or have been will know what I'm talking about, you think, oh, we're going to be having great legal debates, the, the biggest issues of the day, like the things that you talk about in the Senate every day. And the reality is you end up looking at document review all day as a young lawyer or you have a big debate over whether, I remember having a debate when I was a first-year lawyer, whether it was excusable neglect that a leap year had existed and somebody had missed a filing deadline. These are not the things that make you jump out of bed in the morning, like, (laughs) oh boy, I can't wait to to argue. And you're representing, at least as a young lawyer oftentimes, because you're going to a big firm, big companies. 
So it's not as if you really feel like you have a lot of skin in the game, so to speak. And so for me, as a kid growing up in Nashville, I'd always been a huge SEC football fan. Uh, my grandfather played for General Neyland uh, back in the day, so I started going to University of Tennessee games when I was five. And going to Vanderbilt for law school, I met a lot of other kids who had gone to other Southern universities. And so I ended up writing a book uh, when we came back from the Virgin Islands. Uh, and the book was called Dixieland Delight, where I went around to then all 12 SEC football stadiums and wrote about why SEC football mattered so much to the culture of the South and the universe of sports, what was so great about the pomp, the, the, the pageantry, all of the excitement, not just on the field, but as you well know, mm -hmm. the tailgating, the, right. the, the connections that you make as an <coughs> alum of those schools, and the fact that even if you're not a graduate of those schools, it sort of binds people to the South, whether you're a neurosurgeon or a janitor, you've got an opinion about the teams. And so from that, that led into eventually doing daily radio, uh, uh, also then doing daily TV. And I have, at this point, I'm 41 years old, a national radio show that's on 300 markets, all 50 states, uh, and I do a daily television show as well. In addition to running what ultimately is the, the primary focus of my business, OutKick, which I started almost 10 years ago as an independent voice in the sports media that I thought was desperately needed. And as we see new methods of delivery being innovated and brought forward and people are getting their news and their information and accessing uh, sports and news and information through different platforms, then OutKick is something that probably was at the front of this new. I think you're right, and it's fascinating. Uh, early on with the social media rise, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and that universe, I recognized that the name on the back of the jersey could matter as much or more as the name on the front of the jersey. So I didn't need to be an employee of ESPN necessarily, or CBS, or Fox, or NBC, in order to get my voice out, because I had the distribution mechanism. Uh, whereas in the past, you had to rely on writing at a newspaper, let's say, uh, in order to get your voice out, or you could call into a radio station or something like that. The internet democratized the ability of all to share their own information. And so I came into uh, founding OutKick as a writer, and then we have expanded that. And in fact, by the fall, our plan is to have programming that starts at 6 a.m. Eastern and goes all the way till 7 uh, p.m. Eastern, so 13 hours in between when the games are played. People wake up in the morning and they want to think about their teams. They sign off in the evening when the games are going to start. We are, I believe, going to become a legitimate opinion competitor all day long with the big boys uh, in a way that was not available technologically certainly 15 years ago. And I think we're at the forefront of that where my theory is people are going to sit down and say, I want to know what Clay Travis said today. And it won't matter whether I'm on radio live at that moment or TV or anywhere else. We'll have the ability for them to find us sort of on demand everywhere. I think that's where we're headed. I agree with you on that. And the thing that is so fascinating to me, when people talk about government control yes. of spectrum, government control of the airwaves and of what we're doing with the fiber lines, with the internet. And I really push back against that right. because people want to build their own networks. I say the most important network right now is the YOU. Yes. And it is freedom 
and the freedom and ability to innovate that has helped the U.S. lead the way in, in all of this. I want to move to one other thing. You were talking about the name on the back of the jersey, and it's an issue that I've picked up on and worked on in Congress, name, image, likeness. Yes. And you have weighed in on that a little bit. And I think to protect our young men and women in sports, right. that's important to do. I think it's massively important. I'm a capitalist. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, I think capitalism is the reason that the United States exists as the most dominant force for good in the history of the free world. I, I don't think that's an exaggeration. I know some people don't want to admit it now, but I don't think there's an exaggeration at all. And so I believe that everybody should be able to sell their labor for the highest possible bidder. And uh, these artificially circumscribed rules that we apply, we need to ensure that they are evenly applied everywhere. And I think if, you know, what, what has always driven me crazy is you could sign, if somebody wanted to pay for your autograph in a book, you could sign your book and they could buy it. I could do the same. Remember when Johnny Manziel was playing at Texas A&M, there were kids showing up with covers of Sports Illustrated for him, asking him to sign them, immediately putting them on eBay and selling them for hundreds of dollars. Same thing with the jersey. If he had done that, he would be ineligible. I think that most people out there, that strikes at the very essence of freedom in America, there should be a mechanism by which we can allow people with talent to profit off that talent. And so I think it's important that we find a rule that can be universally applied uh, but I think name, image, and likeness is, is vitally important, figuring out how exactly it's going to work in the college universe and doing it in a way so that both the student and the university and the cohesive whole all benefit. And we are hopeful that they are going to do that sooner rather than later. Yes. As we have told uh, the NCAA, if they can't do it, we will do it for them. Yes, and unfortunately, it appears they can't do it. <laughs> well, it does, and leadership is lacking. Yes. <laughs> That's a different conversation. Um, you bring a lot of opinion yes. to OutKick. So uh, your audience likes that? They eat it up? Uh, like some of them like it. it. Some of them don't. You should, uh, you should hear my wife sometimes. Uh, what I've always found is that I need to sound the exact same if I'm sitting in a bar watching a game or if I'm talking on the radio or if I'm talking on television. I have to be as honest as I possibly can with my audience, authentic. And a lot of times my wife, as you can, I'm sure, well imagine, will be sitting around at dinner and I'll say, you can't say that on the radio. And I say, no, that's my opinion. I'm going to say it on the radio. That's why the show succeeds. That's why OutKick succeeds because we are very opinionated. I don't expect for everybody to agree but I expect for them to understand that that's what I actually believe. And I believe in the marketplace of ideas. You talked about the growth of technology. What I'm now concerned about in a way today that I was not 10 years ago when I founded OutKick is if you have the wrong opinion, and wrong opinion is in quotation marks because big tech company CEOs are deciding what is the right and wrong opinion, they will circumscribe and curtail your ability to be involved in the marketplace of ideas. And that's troubling to me because zany ideas that might 20 or 30 years ago have been outside of the mainstream can work their way inside of the mainstream by the marketplace of ideas. Name, image, and likeness is a great one. Right. 40 years ago, people would have said, oh, it's crazy to think about figuring out a way that kids should be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. Well, now I think most fans agree with that. That's because that conversation has been allowed to percolate and take place what was once a minority opinion 
is now a majority opinion. And that's the great thing about America. And what I'm concerned about is China has built an internet uh, great wall to keep out opinions that they don't like. My concern is big corporate, Facebook, Apple, Google, Twitter, they're building their own technological Chinese wall, which is having the same effect in many ways, which is there's only one opinion that's allowed. Disagreement doesn't bother me. I'm much more frightened of consensus. Totalitarian agreement uh, governments agree on everything. <laughs> they get a lot wrong. But disagreement? You just came from working all night on the Senate floor. Disagreement is healthy. That's how we end up with better results. That's how we know that we have the freedom to actually advocate for a variety of perspectives. Uh, uniformity of opinion is terrifying to me. And I'm afraid in the world of sports, we're now a microcosm of the larger universe, which is there's one opinion that's allowed and everybody has to have it. Or the opinion is going to bow to the dollar, like the NBA oh, over yes. in uh, Xinjiang province that's right. in China. With everything surrounding the Uyghurs, I, I am... Look, the NBA wants to sell itself as a social justice warrior-driven league. They are entitled, those athletes, to their own political opinions, just like you and I are, just like everybody out there watching and listening to us today is. But what drives me crazy is blatant hypocrisy. And the NBA right now is making billions of dollars off a country, China, that the United States government has found is committing genocide. They are using labor that is slave labor, effectively, to manufacture shoes that the NBA players wear, jerseys that they wear, their gear. There's a lot of talk now, and I'm a history major, so I'm, I'm a little bit of a history nerd at times, about being on the right and wrong side of history. That's often difficult to know because 100 years from now, we find out what the right side was often, and people who were alive then don't necessarily know. You're always on the wrong side of history if you support genocide in any way. And that's what the NBA is doing. It drove me crazy. Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, LeBron James, they would attack the president of the United States, Donald Trump, for everything that he did for four straight years. They won't say to China, end genocide now. Stop slave labor. End religious discrimination. Give your people basic human rights. They won't say it. And yet they'll rip American institutions to shred. Uh, it, 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 it drives me insane, and it's, to me, emblematic of the massive hypocrisy that exists in my industry. Well, I think it is also because the Uyghurs are the Muslim ethnic minority right. in China. And just as the Chinese Communist Party is persecuting them and committing genocide and using them for slave labor to create these products, they're also stomping on the Hong Kong freedom fighters. Amen. They are uh, pushing the Tibetans. They are intimidating the Taiwanese. That's right. And then uh, this is, I, I think, what is beginning to bother so many people that are concerned about freedom and freedom's cause is that it is the dollar. Yes. That seems to allow people to push aside uh, talking about human rights because they're focused on the dollar. That's right. Um you know, in politics, entering into sports is something that is of concern because we all want to go That's cheer right. for our team. And I'm looking at the pressure that the that MLB is yes. getting to postpone their season, which baseball is outside. Yeah, look, 
I, what I love about sports, and I've been saying this consistently for all 15 years that I've been a public figure in the world of sports, we need places where people come together and politics isn't involved at all. And if you go to Nissan Stadium to watch the Titans play, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight, uh, you know, religious, not religious, majority, ethnic, minority, whatever it is, if the Titans win, you turn around to high-five somebody and you don't care about any of those divisions. And I think this idea that everybody has to aggressively use their platform to advocate for particular political beliefs is not healthy overall to the larger marketplace of, uh, of, the, uh, of sports. But in a bigger sense, we have created, because of the sports media, I believe, which I'm a part of, whenever someone, Megan Rapino, LeBron James, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, comes out in favor of far left-wing political beliefs, they get praised. And whenever someone even has the, the audacity to say, hey, you know, I don't really mind Donald Trump. I think he's kind of an okay guy. Like, that's all Tom Brady said. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't say, like, I agree with every policy he's ever had. He gets ripped and asked to disavow all of those aspects. I'm old school in this respect. I think if the president invites you to the White House or asks for your help, regardless of who that person is, you do it, right? Mm-hmm. And, right? And I think that's what's great about sports. The idea that you would not go visit the White House if your team wins a championship is, is, is ludicrous to me. Like, I think it makes zero sense. Well, we should all be willing to have a conversation with people that want to make the lives of Americans better. Even people we disagree with. Megan Rapinoe, like when the U.S. women's soccer team happened, I said, hey, if you disagree with the president and you have a particular issue, he's shown that he will listen to you. Go to the White House and have a conversation with him. Saying that you're trying to cancel someone, which is the other identity politics cancel culture, everything associated with that is fundamentally anti-American to me. Well, and you know, Our nation has remained strong because we have allowed robust, respectful political debate. Amen. We have agreed to disagree. Yes. And because of that, we arrive at consensus. And now we're living in an era where that is supposedly not going to be allowed. And it is frowned upon by people. even, Even you talking to Joe Biden... Joe Biden's people are saying, oh, my God, why would you even talk to a Republican senator? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And I even say, how many people in America go to Thanksgiving and agree the entire family on who they voted for? Almost no one if you have a decent-sized family, Mm -hmm. right? People have a variety of different perspectives on everything. You still love each other and get along. And you talked about China. To me, what's happening is China is exploiting our internal divisions, and we're not recognizing they want us to fight with each other. And in the meantime, they're punching us in the back of the head all day long, every day. That's right. And, and we're not even cognizant of the fact that we're in a fight with them. Many people, people follow not. the shiny story of the day right. and don't pay attention to the fundamentals. Well, a fundamental is freedom. Yes. So at the Travis household, when you talk about freedom and its importance uh, to those children, what's your top line with them? My top line is you have to be... Uh, it's funny, my seventh grader is in debate right now, and uh, he's, he's, he's learning how to make arguments yeah. on both sides. Yeah. And uh, I absolutely love that because what I tell them is if you can't make the argument of your opponent as well as you can make the argument that you agree with, then you haven't actually studied or thought about an issue very much. There is an illusory I- idea out there 
that it's wrong to engage, right? And I love debate because I've always said, you know, this is the lawyer in me. When you're a lawyer, you get paid to argue one side or the other, but you usually don't get to choose which side you argue. What I love about what I do now in the opinion space is I get to study an issue and then decide which one I believe deserves to be advocated for, but I know what the opponent's arguments are as good as I know mine. And that, to me, is what I tell them. The, the, the biggest and most important thing I think about freedom is you need to have the right to say whatever you think. Okay, that's the most important part. The second part is you need to try to think about why people have the other opinion so that you can understand a way to work towards what your opinion is. I think a lot of times we're afraid to interact. Like That's really what cancel mm-hmm. culture is, right? right? It's a fear to interact with someone who might, you might disagree with. And to me, you can't be confident of your own opinion unless you're willing to interact with other opinions. So I want them to have open and flexible minds that are capable of having two different sides of thought going on at the same time. And then understand the importance of people who disagree with them being able to speak at the same time that they do. They understand freedom of speech because of what I do. uh, But I think a lot of times we focus on it being a one-way street in order to fully flourish, I think, as a country, we have to have a robust and uninhibited embrace of freedom and of thought. That is so well said. And the podcast is Freedom Rings. You're going to find us at Freedom Rings Podcast or wherever you're picking up your podcast. And you're going to find Clay Travis all over the internet. (laughs) And you're going to find him at OutKick. And I know you're going to want to hear more of what he has to say. Thank you so much for I appreciate you having me, and I appreciate you fighting some of these battles on the Senate floor every day. They're much needed. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Bye now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for Senate, and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at marshablackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings. Executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make Freedom Ring.